Matthew chapter 5 this morning. Matthew chapter 5. The B-I-B-L-E, yes, that's the book for me. I stand alone on the Word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the child of God may be mature, truly furnished unto all good works. The Bible, basic instructions before leaving earth. And God has given to us a text that we can take and apply to our lives so that we can recognize exactly what he wants to accomplish for his honor and his glory. And may I just remind you, everything in our lives is to be done for his honor and his glory. Whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do also the glory of God. Amen? Keep that in mind this morning because we're going to end with that today. It's all about his glory. It's all about who God is. Now here in Matthew chapter 5, we have the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus calls his disciples to him and he sits them down and he starts to tell them about these basic instructions before leaving earth. And he begins with a text, and we looked at this a couple of weeks ago, that we call the Beatitudes. Because he wants his children to understand where real blessing comes from. Real blessing does not come from success. Real blessing does not come from being able to fulfill your own purpose in your life. Real blessing does not come from fame. Real blessing comes from allowing God's purpose to be revealed in your life and then allowing God to bless your life. And that's what the Beatitudes are all about. May I remind you of what Jesus said beginning with verse 2? And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed, blessed are the poor, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you. When others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account, rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Now, you saw in that text that a blessing is not according to this world's standards. That's okay, because the blessing is according to God's standards. It's all about God and His fulfilling His purpose in our lives. Now, a couple of weeks ago, we then got into verse 13 where it says, You are the salt of the earth. God reminds us that we are to be influential where we are. That we are to have a purpose and fulfill his plan in a very special way. You are to make sure that what you are doing has an effect on those who are around you. And then he says, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost its taste, 
How shall its saltiness be restored? It's interesting that has lost its taste. That phrase is one word in the Greek. And it's the word moronic. Moronic. Can you think of an English word that comes from moronic? Moron, exactly. So if the salt becomes moronic, foolish, doesn't do what it's supposed to do, and frankly, it's foolish not to do what God wants us to do, it becomes tasteless. There's absolutely no purpose in it, and it does not fulfill what it is supposed to do. You know, it's interesting that salt can be misidentified. Salt can look like other things. Samuel, would you join me up here, please? I'm going to come that direction, so meet me, meet me over there, will you? <laughs> now Samuel here are two white substances yeah. mm -hmm. they look pretty much the same don't they pretty much pretty much can you tell just by looking at them which is which for sure I, I think so but not really not really okay there's one way to find out. Mm -hmm. It's the taste test. Now, I told you when I asked you to do this, this wouldn't hurt you. Yep. You'll be fine after three, four days. Okay. <laughs> All right. Would you, and he, I told him he could double dip if he needs to, because I'm not tasting this stuff. <laughs> Would you see if you could determine which is which, for sure? By the, by the way, which one do you think is the salt? You think it's this one. Okay, let's find out. <laughs> okay. Do you want to try the other one? Yes, I do. All right. Can, can you identify what this one is? Sugar. Sugar. Ah, yeah, you thought. Thank you, Samuel. You may be seated. The reality is they both look pretty much the same, don't they? But only one, this one, has the desired effect. And we can walk around life looking good, being identified the way we think we're supposed to, but it will not, sugar doesn't do what salt does. It does other stuff. Salt only does what salt does. Scripture does not say you can choose what you want to be if it looks okay. Scripture does not say you can look like you want to be as long as it's pretty close. Scripture says you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has become moronic, foolish, then it's good for nothing. 
but to be thrown out and trampled under foot of men. Salt preserves, salt seasons, salt heals, salt creates thirst. But the consequences are, if it becomes tasteless, it's a very foolish item. If it doesn't do what it's supposed to do, it's not good for much. You see, salt is a substance that silently, quietly does its work with enormous effectiveness. It is influential. May I ask you? How influential are you for the cause of Christ? Do people who come under your influence recognize that you are here to portray Jesus Christ. And that's a real quiet thing. I've told you this illustration before. When Connie and I were in college, Connie wanted to pick up her PhD degree. That's putting hubby through. We were married between my junior and senior year of school. I would not recommend that for anybody. But she decided she'd go get a a job. And as I have told you before, I drove her to this place, Triple F Feeds, a place pretty normal in Iowa, the land of corn and swine. Thank you, Jerry. All right. Go, Iowa. You wondered how I'd work that in this morning, didn't you? (laughs) And as we pulled into the parking lot, because I had worked all night, I decided I'd get a nap, and Connie went in for the interview. Wasn't long someone was tapping on my windshield. A classmate of mine said, Tom, what you doing here? I told him. He said, was that your wife who just walked in? I said, it was. He said, I knew she was a Christian just by the way she walked. Salt. 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 Influencing. Because you are the salt of the earth. Now there is another very familiar item that Jesus uses here. Verse 14 says, you are are the light of the world. Now where salt influences, light illuminates. Kevin, can we kill the lights, please? Randy, I wish we'd have darkened these windows earlier. I love Home Depot, or not Home Depot, Harbor Freight. If you get the right coupon, you can get free lights. Can you see it? You are the light of the world. Now, light is different than salt. Salt is subtle. Life's in your face. 
Salt kind of works underneath. Lights work outside. Salt kind of does its thing without anybody noticing until the result is achieved. Light does its thing right away. And Jesus says, you are the light of the world. I think it interesting. When you study scripture and look at lights, the prophets weren't lights. John the Baptist wasn't even a light. In fact, John said, I'm not a light. I came to represent the one who is the light. It was Jesus Christ who said, I am the light of the world. He that follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. And as you read John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. You discover pretty quickly that as that Word became flesh, He came as a light. The only ones that are lights in Scripture are the disciples the followers of Christ. Are you a disciple of Christ? If you are, you're a light of the world. Now, an apostle is one who saw Jesus Christ. A disciple is a follower of Christ. You are the light of the world. I want you to plug that in, will you please? This is what God made you to do. This is how God designed you. This is your purpose. You are the light of the world. And you and I need to fulfill our purpose. Now, a couple of different things happen to lights. Kev, if we can go back with the house lights and the front lights, please. I'm going to need that. Let's see here. He says, a city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. That's true. In October, Connie and I got to go out west, traveled over 4,000 miles out and back. And as we were driving toward Denver, it was just getting to be dusk. Now, Denver sits at the foothills of the Rocky Mountains. Mile-high city, you're aware of that, right? Let me tell you, you can't miss it. You go to Lincoln and hang a left, and it's there. Why? Because a city set on a hill cannot be hidden. That's a statement of fact. Cities will automatically make themselves known because of their lights. And then the text says, you don't take a light and put it under a bushel basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. You don't take the light and put it in your pocket, because in your pocket it does nothing but run down the batteries. It doesn't do anybody any good. Why? Because the purpose of a light is not to have it in your pocket. The purpose of the light is to let it shine, right? Remember that song you used to sing as a kid? 
Huh? Huh? All right, everybody take their finger. I'm going to take my finger here. Everybody, come on. This is total participation stuff. Mark, you too. Finger up here. All right, there it is. Okay. Oh, yeah, you are left-handed light. I should have known. All right. <coughs> Excuse me. This little light of mine, I'm going to let this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. You know the one, won't let Satan blow it out? Huh? Won't let Satan blow it out. Won't let Satan blow it out. I'm going to let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Now we teach that song to our elementary kids, right? Why? So it gets, not because it's just cute. Not because they don't understand the great hymns of the faith. We teach it to them because it's biblical truth and we want it to get into their hearts and their minds and be seen in their lives, right? How come we adults have a problem with it? Maybe we just think it's for little kids. Maybe we've forgotten that as adults we are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. You don't get it to put it in your pocket. You get it so that it can make a difference in people's lives. Now, let's make the application here. Verse 16. In the same way, the same way as what? The salt, the same way as the light. In the same way, let your light shine before others. Okay, don't pocket your light. Why? So that they may see your good works. Stop right there. So that they may see your good works. As children of God, as salt and light, we are to have a positive influence on those who are around us. Did you note good works? Did you note that there is a positive influence that is supposed to be in our lives? As a pastor, I have the responsibility to fulfill the criteria found in 1 Timothy chapter 3. There's a whole list that God requires of me as a pastor. And part of that list is that I am to have a good report with those who are outside. That's light shining stuff. That may see my good works and glorify my Father, which is in heaven. Titus chapter 2 tells us that we are to all have sound speech, which cannot be condemned, so that those who are without may see a difference. Ephesians chapter 2. For by grace are we saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast, but you are his workmanship, good works, 
created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. That they may see your good works. Now, good works are not going to get us to heaven. I want to repeat that just so that there's no misunderstanding. Good works do not get us to heaven. There is not some kind of giant scale in heaven that weighs our good and our bad, and if our good outweighs our bad, we get in. That's not how it happens. The only way we get into heaven is through Jesus Christ and receiving him as our own personal Savior, recognizing that it is his sacrifice that paid for our sin. Amen? That's grace saved through faith. Not of ourselves. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done. All right? I want you to understand it. But, as a new creature in Christ Jesus, we are the salt of the earth. We are the light of the world. We are to make sure that others see our good works. Yesterday, I don't know how many people were down in the gym. Mary Jean, do you have an idea? Linda, do you have an idea? How many? About 150 people, okay. I know not all of them were believers. But it was so good for those who are not believers to see the good works of believers. And the whole purpose of yesterday, packing those boxes was to be salt and light. That's why we say all hands on deck. It's important for all of us as salt and light to make a statement because there are people that are watching us and have no clue who Jesus Christ is unless they see him in our lives. That they may see your good works and do what? Hmm? Glorify your Father who is in heaven. It's not so that we can say we packed over 7,000 boxes this past week. That's not it. It's so that we can glorify God. Amen? That's what it's all about. It's bringing honor and glory to God because God has made us salt and light. And it's all about who he is. Peter tells us in 1 Peter chapter 2, keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good works and glorify God in the day of visitation. We can't keep it secret, folks. You don't take light and put it in your pocket. You shine it before others so that they may see your good works and glorify God. Glorify God. Glorify God. Now, what's all this mean? The evidence of our lives. 
is to recognize the Father with our lives. Amen? How did Jesus teach his disciples to pray? Our Father, which art in Why? Because that's who you recognize, right? It's to recognize God, the Father. Now, a couple of weeks ago, I told you that I was going to challenge you about a God project. And I want you to know this is a big deal. I want to challenge each of us today. And you notice I said each of us today. To get a God project in our lives. Someone who needs to know Jesus Christ as personal Savior and be salt and light before them so that God would be glorified. Now, that may begin with shepherds and kings. Good way to start a God project. You say, well, Pastor, I'm not real sure I know that many unsaved people. Let me give you some statistics. Calhoun County. According to 2010 census, Calhoun County has 136, 146, 136,146 people in it. It has not changed much in the last uh, six years, six, seven years. According to the ARDA website, I'll put it up here for you if you want to check out my stats. Evangelical Protestants in Calhoun County are 19,144. Now, they define evangelical Protestants as congregational adherents, which include all full members, their children, and others who regularly attend their services. Okay, that's their definition. There's a button at this website that is titled Unclaimed. That means people who aren't Protestant, who aren't Catholic, who aren't, aren't anything. And there are 91,757 people who are unclaimed in Calhoun County. You think any of them could be claimed? Could any of them be your God project? Could you work on any of them as salt and light? Let me show you very quickly Barry County. Barry County is a little different. 59,173. Evangelical Protestant, 6,020. Unclaimed, you see it? Unclaimed, 45,616. Think you could work on anybody? Now, a couple of weeks ago, I brought some guys up here and we played Red Rover, Red Rover. And frankly, I'm afraid that's how the unsaved people see us. They see us locking arms, more against stuff than we're for stuff. Willing to hibernate in our holy huddles <laughs> instead of reaching out with the gospel of Christ. Vern, stand up, will you please? I love you, man. Oh, that was kind of good.
Yeah. Well, when was the last time you did that to an unsaved person? You may see me seated. Now, I know Vern's saved, all right? I want you to get, I didn't want you to get the wrong idea about Vern. <laughs> Sorry. That's salt and light. We're here for you. But people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And folks, we got to get serious about being salt and about being light. Because that's who we are. And if we aren't who God says we are, then what are we? If we aren't who God says we are, then what are we? And what difference does it make if we aren't who God says we are? I'm thankful that each of us have everything that's necessary for life and godliness. Amen? Scripture says that. I'm thankful that God has given to each and every one of us all that is necessary to be effective for Him. I'm thankful. He's placed us in this world with unclaimed people. And I'm so thankful that there's a real difference. needs to be shared with those who are around us. God is good all the time. Will you bow your heads with me, please? Father, we love you this morning. And the simplicity of this message is very obvious. But it's one that is so necessary because a lot of times we get caught up in the things that take us away from the simple. Salt, light, simple stuff. But the basic instruction before leaving earth is this. That as the salt, we don't become moronic and foolish but we influence our society, our culture, our community, our workplace for the honor and glory of our God. The simplicity is this, we're light. And we don't put the lights in our pockets, we don't put it under a bushel, we don't put it under a basket, but we let it shine. Just like a city on a hill. Why? So that you can use it as men see what it means to be one of your children. And then somehow, someway, glorify you. We love you, Father. And we thank you for all that you've given to us in Jesus' name.